What a place that will be, right? What a day that will be. What is that song? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. If you want to read along with me, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. I told you last week I actually had been looking at uh, going in some other direction, but it seemed like God had changed that. And so we're going to look at the Valley of Dry Bones this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me and brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people... I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle in you and your own, I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. Where I grew up uh, in Boone County, just, just a little ways from where we lived, Armco Steel, many years ago, when they had a, they had a mine, uh, Armco Steel had a mine at Nellis. And just up on the hill from where we lived, they, there was an old abandoned uh, nine-hole golf course. Armco had put that in for their employees uh, for golf. And on that same piece of property, there was a two-room schoolhouse, and that's where I attended school. You're shaking your head. You know exactly where I'm talking about. There was a two-room schoolhouse there. I attended school there through the fourth grade. Just right up the hill from that school was a cemetery, Kinder Cemetery. There's, there's, there, there are graves there that date back past Civil War times, uh, and some of them you can't read. They're just, the, the stone is worn off slick. Uh, during recess, they would let us go play uh, in that cemetery. 
and yeah, I mean, we would go up there and, and, and we would play. Uh, they, they would, I, I can remember some of the girls getting behind the tombstones and pretending that they were playing the piano or the organ or whatever. There, there was make-believe weddings took place in that cemetery. There was make-believe church services that took place in that cemetery. Uh, we even played war in that cemetery. We played army. Uh, we would run and hide behind the tombstones and hide behind the trees and pretend to be uh, shooting at, at, at each other uh, in that cemetery. And we camped out in that cemetery one night. And the reason we did it was because my grandfather challenged us and said we were chicken. Well, when he called us chicken, buddy, we packed up our tents and our sleeping bags and flashlights, and we went up on the hill and set up, and we stayed, and we stayed all night in that cemetery. And we sat outside the tent with flashlights, and we'd shine our flashlights on those tombstones, and we would tell ghost stories till well past midnight. But we did. We did spend the night. So uh, I just popped in my mind. I even uh, asked Nancy to marry me at the entrance of Spring Hill Cemetery. We weren't in the cemetery, but we were at the entrance of the You didn't know you had such a morbid guy preaching to you on Sundays, did you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I've done a lot of things in a cemetery, okay? As, as a kid growing up, I've done a lot of things. But one thing I've never done, I've never preached a revival in a cemetery. Never. I mean, now I have preached in some churches that reminded me that I was in a cemetery. <laughs> I mean, you look out over the congregation, it looks like a bunch of mules eating sandbrowers. You know what I'm talking about, Frank? You just get no reaction, no response. Not here, all right? Not, not you guys. But I have been in places like, and it is kind of scary, all right? But preaching a cemetery? I mean, why, why? I mean, even if someone responded to your preaching, nobody would ever believe it, right? No, they, they would never believe it. But in this scripture today, Ezekiel is asked by God to do just that, to hold a revival in an open cemetery. Now, now what do I mean by an open cemetery? An open cemetery is, is, is where the bones of the deceased are lying on top of the ground. They, they haven't been buried. They're lying on top of the ground. And, 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 and now, and if you read this story, I mean, and you see the excitement that happens here at the end, I mean... I don't know. Who knows? Might be a good idea to go hold a revival in the center. At least it would get some attention, wouldn't it? You'd probably get your name in the paper, right? But, but look, look at how this story unfolds. The first thing that you notice when you read this passage of Scripture, they, they, they want you to see the hopelessness that's here. All right? This desolation that's right in front of you. You know, Nancy and I, we've, uh, gosh, we've been going to Myrtle Beach for years. We haven't been there for like three years or so, but... Every year we go to Myrtle Beach, we always drive uh, down to uh, Myrtle's Inlet and, and look around down there. And man, there's some beautiful homes down there. But every time we go down there, I always notice these homes that they go out on this inlet and like, like they go out into, they stretch out into the ocean. And I think, man, those people, how hopeless must they feel during hurricane season? I mean, there's nothing between them and the ocean, nothing, no protection whatsoever. I've seen that look of hopelessness on my dad's face. Where, when I was a kid growing up and where we used to live, uh, we were troubled with uh, floodwaters. They never did get in the house, but boy, it got close. And I remember seeing the look of hopelessness on his face when the water just kept coming and coming. And, and, and there, was just, there was no way to stop it. No way to stop it. But when God takes Ezekiel 
to this valley of dry bones. He, he, he's looking at a scene that is beyond hope. And, and Ezekiel now, Ezekiel, he is, he's the spiritual leader of the people of Israel at this time. Okay? He, he is their spiritual leader. And Israel has been defeated. They, they've, been, they've been cut off from their homeland. And now they are subject to a foreign king. And Ezekiel has been watching his people, the people of Israel, becoming more accustomed to this way of life. And they're forgetting who they were. That they're forgetting their heritage. They're forgetting about this unique call that God had placed on their life. So, so maybe when God takes Ezekiel to this open cemetery, he may have felt right at home. Because that's the way Israel is feeling right now. Like they're just dead. There have been times you ever felt like that? Yeah, there have been, all of us. Every one of us has felt that way. You know why? Because the devil is so very good at painting a bleak picture before our eyes. He is. Oh, listen, listen, he's the producer of, of discouragement. He can paint it before our eyes. I mean, I mean, I can almost imagine the children of Israel sitting around talking about the good old days, talking about when they lived in the land of promise, when they lived in safety in, in their own city, when God provided everything that they needed. And, and you see, church, Satan wants to convince us. He wants to convince you and I that the glory days are gone. Amen? He wants to convince us that the glory days are gone. The love in my marriage is gone. The glory days in this church, they're gone. The power of, of my prayer and my testimony, it's gone. And, and instead of feeling good about what God's doing in our life, it feels like that we're in the midst of its open cemetery. Now, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind just for a few minutes, okay? And, and, we're, and we'll, we'll come back to that. So what does Ezekiel do? When God shows him this situation, listen, let me read verses 1, 2, and 3 to you again. And the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones, and he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. And he asked me, Son of man... Can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Dead, dry bones. That's all he saw. They were everywhere. Dead, dry bones. God takes him into this valley that is full, the scripture says. It's full of bones, they're everywhere. And he's looking at it. He wants him to get an up close and personal look at these bones that have been bleached white by the sun. Ezekiel looks at this situation. Church, this, this is really Death Valley right here. And that's where Ezekiel is at. And he's looking at this situation floor of the valley said it's tightly packed full of them 
Only God knows how many people have been there in this, in this valley. And Ezekiel saw them and he noticed, he looks around and, and, and this valley is full of bones. And these people, rep, these, these bones represent people that are not only dead, but they're disgraced. Because they were refused a proper burial. They're laying on top of the ground. You see an unburied corpse, one that's exposed, is a disgrace to the dead. It's a disgrace to them. The bones were awfully, obviously uh, denied a proper burial, and scavenging birds had feasted on them until they were clean. So God wants Ezekiel to take a very close look at this bleak situation. Bones that are separated from a live body are dead. Bones, bones that have been dead for a long time are bleached white by the sun. So God takes Ezekiel back and forth. Look at this, Ezekiel. Then he asks his opinion. Can these bones live? Can they live? And what does Ezekiel say? Ezekiel says, I, you know, first of all, we've all heard stories about people who have died and come back to life, right? We've all heard stories like that. People say, oh, I was dead for 10 minutes. This table we said out yesterday here at the dinner said she had been dead for 5 or 10 minutes. I forget how long it was. We've heard of people that have been dead for an hour or so. I've even heard stories of people that have made it as far as the funeral home before they were resuscitated. But church, I mean, no one could have hope by looking at dread, dead, dry, bleached, white bones scattered all over. So God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says something to the effect... Lord, only you can answer that. I can't answer that question. Now, why does, he, why does he answer that way? He answers that way because he has no idea what God has in mind here. He has no idea what, what God is doing. I mean, it would have been nice if Ezekiel could have said something like, Lord, I know they can. Yeah. But you know what? I'm glad he didn't answer that way. I'm glad he answered the way he did because he's uncertain. And that's probably the response you and I would give. He was uncertain. You see, when you're in this valley, when you and I are in this valley of dead, dry bones, this place where there's a lack of hope and depression, when we're at the breaking point in our life, and we may even be considering giving up because everything looks so bleak around us, and we're not sure what God has in mind, we're a little cautious in our response, and so was Ezekiel. But then God gives Ezekiel a straightforward command. Listen to what he says. This is verses 4 through 6. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Say to these bones, I will, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will, put my, I will put breath in you, and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. God gives the prophet something to do. God commands Ezekiel to speak to or prophesy to these dead, dry bones. Now, church, think about this for a second. Thinking about the low spiritual state that Ezekiel is in right now, okay, along with all the children of Israel, I could almost imagine that Ezekiel might be thinking, man, this is a foolish thing to do. 
wants me to speak to dry bones? What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18? Paul said, For the message of the cross is foolishness, right, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Church, hear me this morning. There are people all up and down this hollow, okay? There are people all up and down this hollow tonight that are this morning that are in such a low spiritual state. Some of them may even have come here at one time, okay? Some of them may even have come here at one time, but right now they're in such a low spiritual state that continuing to pray seems useless to them. That, that, that continuing to read their Bible to them right now just seems like a waste of time. That's where they're at. But God commands Ezekiel, speak to these bones. Now, God sounds pretty confident here, doesn't he? He does. God sounds, you know, uh, back when I was fresh out of high school, I worked uh, for a company in Charleston called Charleston Linen Service, and I had to go to Beckley, and I had to talk. I had to go to uh, Meadows Lumber Company. And I had to talk to the owner of that company. His name, Mr. Meadows was his name. And, and they directed me to his office. And I walked back and I started walking into his office. And he had a sign right over the door that said, the buck stops here. In other words, if you're having a problem, you can't get a straightforward answer to something, you walk in here and you're going to get it. God shows Ezekiel this state of complete emptiness and destruction up close and personal. And he says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know. Well, guess where the buck always stops? It always stops with God, doesn't it? The buck always stops with God. And God tells Ezekiel, just speak my words. Just say what I give you to say and stand back and watch what happens. How many of you have ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon was a Baptist man. This is back in the 1800s. Charles Spurgeon was a great theologian, a great preacher. This is a quote from him. Listen to what he says. If we want revivals, let me, let me stop there. How many of you would like to have a revival in this church? How many of you would like to see these pews full again? How many of you would like to see this choir full again? How many of you would like to see these classrooms full of children again? Your youth group full and active again? That means revival, right? We all would, every one of us. Charles Spurgeon says this, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. Amen? We must revive our reverence for the Word of God. If we want conversions, we must put more of God's Word into the sermons. Even if we paraphrase it into our own words, it must still be His Word upon which we place our reliance. For the only power which will bless men's lives is in that. This is it. Church, listen to me. So much good could be done in the world today. So much good could be done in all of our churches today, in our own personal faith. If only would you listen to what God commands us to do. But we keep looking, we keep looking for a new way. We keep looking for a new way to happiness. We keep looking for a new way to goodness. We want to look for a new way to make churches grow. There is no new way. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, 
I'll draw them unto me. You know, I read where Duke University, good old Methodist University, <laughs> you know what they discovered? Why don't you listen to this? This is what they discovered. They discovered that people who read their Bibles and pray have lower blood pressure. Well, imagine that. Isn't that something? Wonder how many millions of dollars they spent on that. You see, church, the truth is that this secret to grow in the church, the secret to God's kingdom, is as simple as the old hymn that you and I sang just a minute ago. Trust and obey. For there's no other way, no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But to stand in the middle of an open cemetery and proclaim the Word of God? I mean, Ezekiel's looking at this and against all hope, some way, somehow, he musters up enough faith and he begins to prophesy to these bones. He does exactly what God tells him to do. And listen what happens. Verses 7 through 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. There was a rattling sound. And bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up a vast army. Now, church, you see what's happening here? Ezekiel, if Ezekiel had any doubt, all right, if he had any doubt, he put it aside and he did exactly what God commanded him. Sometimes when God asks us to do things, this seems a little silly, doesn't it? Huh? He's asked us to do a lot of things. We thought, man, really? But we did it. And God's way always proves right. And as Ezekiel spoke the word of God, bones come together. Did you hear that? There's a rattling sound. Things start happening. Man, what a scene. Wouldn't you like to see that? All of these bones now begin to move. They're moving around. You may, you may have a leg bone over here and a skull over there and a rib cage there, and they all start coming together, and they start connecting, and then after they all connect together, what do you have? You have skeletons, right? Human skeletons. Man, I wanted to bring one with me. I really did, but I thought maybe that's going just a little bit too far. I mean, this is, this is pretty far right here, but I thought... I, and I looked at him. I really didn't. I told Nancy, I, but anyway, I didn't. I didn't bring. But this, then it forms skeletons, and there's skeletons sitting all around this valley together. They're sitting there. Scripture doesn't say this. The Scripture doesn't, but we can assume that they assembled themselves properly. Because when God does it, he does it right. And, and he put them all together. Now, instead of all these random bones lying here and there, you have perfectly formed skeletons that are all throughout this valley. And then what happens? Then internal organs start to come inside of these skeletons, and then flesh covers them. And then the breath of God breathes into them. 
Because again, when God restores something, he puts it together the way it's supposed to be. See what happens? See what happens when God speaks? This scene in this cemetery becomes an awe-inspiring celebration, a celebration of life. This cemetery, this open cemetery, now becomes a parade ground. It becomes a place, this place of despair became a launching pad for the kingdom of God. So who in the world could have believed that anything like that would have happened? God. That's who. God believed that it could happen. I tell you, church, are you still holding that thought I asked you to hold a while ago? You remember? You probably forgot it. All right? So let me just remind you. Okay, this, this is what I ask you to hold on to. Remember, the devil's so good at painting a bleak picture, isn't he? Oh, he's so good. He's, he's the producer of discouragement. And he'll whisper in your ear, and he'll tell you the glory days of this church are gone. Just look around. Look at all the empty seats. Look at this empty choir loft. Look at the empty class. It's gone. The devil will tell you, it's all gone. The glory days in this community, they're gone. The glory days, the love in your marriage is gone. The power of your prayer, the power of your testimony, it's all gone. And instead of feeling good about yourself, instead of feeling good about what God doing here in your church, you feel like you're in an open cemetery. Well, God's given me a word for you this morning. You want to hear it? It comes from verses 11 and 12. Listen. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Stop right there. I want you to put your name in there. I want you to put your name in there. Son of man, these bones are the bones of Richard. These bones are the bones of Jim. These bones are the bones of the, of the, of the Winford Community Church. And they say, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I'm going to open your grave and I'm going to bring you up for them. In other words, God can bring you. Are you listening? Say amen. God can bring you, your family, this church back to new life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you, I mean, do you believe that? If this bone from over here and that bone from over there, and he can bring it back together, then God will put muscle around it, then God will strengthen your outlook, and then he'll breathe new life of revival into you. You know what? Like when I was an underground coal miner, I worked underground for 17 and a half years. I ran a roof boulder almost that entire time I was underground. And, 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 and the, the friend that worked with me, the better guy that worked with me, his name was Larry Richmond. Now, Joe Ray and Dolores and their family can tell you a lot of stories about Larry Richmond because I've told them so many stories. I could sit here for an hour. I mean, you talk about a character. This guy was a character, all right? He had a speech impediment. Couldn't talk plain, all right? Everybody teased him. He didn't, he, he acted like he didn't care. Maybe he did. But anyway, he was my partner for years and years. We were having trouble with our boat machine. And the thing, it, it, kept, it kept shocking us. 
just out of the blue. I mean, you'd lean on it, and then, man, it would just, I mean, it would get you good. Well, every time the electrician come up to look at it, it was, it was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. So one day we're bolting, uh, we're, we're bolting in place, and, and I'm standing there and I'm putting a bolt together. And about that time, the machine starts to die down. It's just going down and down. The lights start going dim. I think, well, finally, this thing is going to tear up, and they, they can find out what the problem is and fix it. Well, when it stopped and the lights went out, Larry let out a war hoop that you could hear all over that section. Because according to the electrician that came up and looked at it, what happened was the ground wire on the cat head that's all the way down to the power center burned in two. Well, guess who was leaning on the machine at the time? Larry. <laughs> guess who become the ground? Larry. <laughs> so when the machine stopped, he went, oh, it had a hold of me and I couldn't get away from it. He said, I couldn't get away from it. He's shaking his hands like that. Now, now that, that's a pretty funny story. I mean, but if you ever gotten into electricity, it's really not funny because while electricity does, it has a, a paralyzing effect on you. And as much as you want to get away from it, you can't. You can't get away from it. Church, let me tell you something. Discouragement is the same way. Discouragement is the same way. When you and I find ourselves in a valley full of dry bones, we convince ourselves there is no way out. Church, I told you last week about my second cousin who passed away unexpectedly, totally unexpectedly. And we went to his funeral. And in his funeral, his pastor shared this with us. He said, Louis, come up to him one day. And he said, Pastor, every sermon that you preach should have a so what moment in it. He said, now what he meant by that was this. Okay, so what? So what does this sermon have to do with me? Okay? Are you ready for the so what? Huh? This scripture assures us that revival is possible, right? You believe what's in this book. So it assures us that revival is possible. Decayed churches can be revived by the preaching of this. The preaching of God's Word. Decayed Christians can once again stand up and be an exceeding great army for the kingdom of God. Amen? Church, you have got to notice something in this scripture. You've got to notice that when these bones were revived, they were not revived to become spectators. Got a little quiet. Amen? When these bones were revived, they were not revived to become spectators. These bones were not revived to sit around and listen to the sermon on the comfort of their couch through a computer. Man, it really got quiet now. When these bones were revived, they were revived to become an exceedingly great army. They were giving new life and they were expected to act under the orders of the one who had given them new life. This will probably be my last sermon here, morning. <laughs> Church, I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that God is finished with the Winifred Community Church. I refuse to believe that. I absolutely do. Now, none of you, none of you planned for these things that have happened over the last two or three, four years, whatever it is. None of you planned for that, did you? 
No, of course not. None of you did. But like getting into the grip of electricity that can have a paralyzing effect on you, depression can be the same way. And you can become depressed and you can become discouraged. God is not finished with you. I believe with all that is within me, God wants to breathe new life in you. You see, when I was young, we played church in a cemetery. We did. We played church in a cemetery. But God hasn't put us here to play church. God has put you here to be the church. Amen? Amen. To be the church. And God can revive all of us in order to be a blessing to other people. You feel like you're in an open cemetery sometimes, don't you? Yeah, I know. I know you do. Listen, the church, the last church we pastored when we were at Broad Street United Methodist Church, that church had went through something very similar to what you guys have been through over the last few years. And people left. They just left. By the droves, they left. Giving up on the church. But God wasn't finished. The only thing God wanted to do, he wanted somebody to preach the word of God. And that church today, still today, we've been gone from there for three years, over three years. That church is still alive, and that church is still growing, and that church is still prospering. Doing that's community outreach, unbelievable the money that that church spends on community outreach, bringing people in. Because God revived them, and God can revive you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this scripture. Lord, this is a powerful passage of scripture. Looking at the most bleak, the most desolate situation that anyone could ever imagine. Because there is nothing impossible with God. There is no situation, there is no mess we can find ourselves in that you can't bring us out. And bring us out in better shape than we were before we went into it. And Father, we just stand here this morning and we proclaim the word of God that you're not finished with this congregation. You are not finished with this church. Lord God, you're going to move. You're going to breathe new life into this congregation. You're going to send the very person to stand behind this podium, this pulpit, and preach every Sunday that you want here, the person you want to be here, that will, that will preach the Word of God and expect a miracle, just like Ezekiel. Move, Lord God, in our midst. We pray right now, Father, if there is one person here this morning, if there is one person in this, in, this, in this church this morning and they feel like they're in this bleak situation, they may feel like they're in this valley of dry bones and everywhere they look, they see nothing but, but desolation. Lord, maybe they need to come and have a little talk with you this morning. Maybe they need to come and listen to your sweet voice and follow your leadership. Give them the courage to come. In Christ's name we pray, amen.